Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Well, good morning, everyone. I want to welcome you to Grace Crossing Church and to our brand new series, Tis the Season. Now, it's just hard for me to believe, but this is going to be our final series for 2018. Where has the year gone? i got to begin uh, this series with a poll. How many of you, by show of hands, are already listening to Christmas music? Let me see if you're already listening. Ah, good. Okay, how many of you have already decorated your house for Christmas? Can I see your hands? You're already in the spirit. How many of you believe that it is immoral to celebrate Christmas before you've gone through Thanksgiving? Okay, can I? All right, so so we're all at different places, but but here's the reality. Wherever you are, okay? Whether you are early to the party of Christmas and the holidays, or whether you're kind of one of the late adopters and kind of late to get there, I think this truly is, for most of us, the most wonderful time of the year. But if we're honest, it also, for many of us, is the busiest and most stress-filled time of the year. So as you study this word or look at this word, holiday, it's, the etymology of it is, is very interesting. The word holiday in its origin actually came from two words, the word holy and the word day. So in the beginning, holidays were holy days. That's the way that they were intended to be. In fact, they were placed on the calendar so that People could tend to religious observances. People could actually tend to rituals that mattered to them. But somewhere along the way in our culture, the sacred has been stripped out, and we have been left with a shell of what the holidays were originally intended to be. And so the purpose of our series, beginning this weekend all the way through Thanksgiving and all the way through Christmas and all the way through the new year, is that we would be able to put the holy back in the holidays. Now, that word holy is a Bible word. It's a scripture word. And it's actually a word that has several different meanings, but one of the most significant meanings of the word holy is that it is something that is set apart or separated as special to God. Something that is set apart or separated as special to God. So the idea of something that is holy is something that we look at and we say, this is something that is about God. It's something that matters to God. It's something that God wants me to find his value in the midst of it. And so putting the holy back in the holidays is our way of saying, we want to set aside as special and sacred, as something that is separate and set apart as special for God. And that's what this series is going to help us to do. So let me give you a frame from the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 14. It's a great frame for our series. One person thinks that some days should be set aside as holy, and another thinks that each day is pretty much like any other. There are good reasons either way. So each person is free to follow the convictions of conscience. What's important in all 
uh, this is that if you keep a holy day, keep it for God's sake. I like Paul's line of reasoning here. Because Paul says, listen, you have a right to look at any day the way you desire. That's your prerogative. But if you're going to have a day that is called a holiday, then keep it a holy day. And if you're going to keep it a holy day, then keep it for God's sake. The question is, in this series, how do we keep the holidays and put holy back into the holidays? How do we practice this idea of keeping the holidays holy as they've been intended to be? And how do we do it for God's sake? Well, as we launch this new series this morning, I want to give you three practices that I think are helpful to all of us that we can actually put legs to. We can do something as we move into the holidays this year that are going to actually put the holy back in your holidays. Let's start with this one. Here's the first practice. Slow the pace in order to carve out sacred space. Let me say that again. Slow the pace in order to carve out sacred space. Now, I can already hear the silent protests coming from our congregation. Okay, Pastor Gill, if you only knew my life, if you only knew my schedule, if you only knew the demands that were placed on me, you would understand why it is virtually impossible for me to slow the pace. Maybe I'll do that someday, but not now. Listen, I hear you loud and clear. In fact, I identify with exactly what you're thinking because I've been there and I've lived the lion's share of my life falling for that exact same lie. And here's what I've come to realize. I've come to realize that busyness is actually just another form of laziness. Now, I I know at first earshot that sounds paradoxical. But actually, if you go back and you look at the original word lazy, in its original form, it was the word sloth. Don't you like that word? Sloth. It was one of the original seven deadly sins. And, And here's what's so interesting about that word lazy or sloth. It actually does not refer to a lack of productivity, but rather to a busyness that keeps us from doing the real work of cultivating a relationship with God. In its original form, that's what the idea of sloth or laziness was. It was actually an overabundance of activity, busyness, hyperactivity that kept us from the real work of cultivating the interior of our life well, and cultivating a relationship with God. With that in mind, listen to the words of the late philosopher and author, Dallas Willard, who speaks to this. He says, the cure for too much to do is silence and solitude. For there you find you are safely more than what you do. 
you will know this finding of your soul and God is happening by an increased sense of who you are and a lessening of the feeling that you have to do this, that, or the other thing. That harassing, hovering feeling of have to largely comes from the vacuum in your soul where you ought to be at home with your father in his kingdom. As the vacuum is rightly filled, you will increasingly know that you do not have to do those things, not even those things that you want to do. Now, even as a pastor, here's a confession. The holidays are not generally slowed down times for me. They tend to be busier. The pace begins to accelerate. And in my life, what I've had to come to realize is that I can actually, even at the holidays, have a moment of being able to slow down the pace to be with my family, but still not be carving out sacred space. Still not be really putting my energy and my time where it can be at times most valuable for the interior of my life. I still live a a life with the constant pull and demands, just like you do. And what I've got to do is I've got to ask myself, what at the end of the day really matters about my life and even about these holidays? What, What is it I'm going to remember? What is it that's going to go with me into eternity? What do I take with me? And here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Now when you read this verse, do not think of this verse as a verse that speaks about our eternal destiny. This is not a life-after-death verse. This verse is about a whole lot more. Because the word soul is used interchangeably for the real you. You are not a body with a soul. You are a soul that's been given a body. The first thing God created was your soul. The soul is the real you. It is the place where the real you, the true self, connects with the living God. And where the real us connects with the living God is the place that God wants to move into in our lives. And so Jesus says this, what good is it to gain everything there is, to have everything you could ever imagine, even at the holidays, and yet forfeit your own soul? What will we give in exchange? Life Is all about exchanges. In life, we choose what we will exchange for something else. And what I've come to realize is that many times in life, because I have been so preoccupied with my activity, with my busyness, with getting things accomplished, especially moving into the holidays, I find that the peace of God is exchanged for the pace of my life. The truth is, the pace of our life can do damage to the peace of God in our hearts. 
the busyness of the holidays can do violence to our soul. We need to slow our pace enough to carve out sacred space so that we can allow our soul to catch up to our bodies, to our lives. You see, we live so much of our life out of this sense of a false self where God is saying, I want to get to the real you. And do not forfeit or exchange the real you for everything this world has to offer. There's, a, there's an interesting and actually a pretty profound thought that comes to us in the most beloved psalm, Psalm 23. Psalm 23 Verse number two says this, he makes me lie down. Have you ever stopped to ponder that? I find it interesting. I've got four grandchildren, and I can tell you they don't like to lie down. You have to often make them to lie down. And aren't they a lot like us? With the way that we live our life, the pace at which we are living, we are living life often at a breakneck speed that is doing violence to us, and we are struggling to slow the pace of our life. And in the process, we're doing damage to our soul. We have a tough time slowing down. We have a tough time just being. We have a tough time Stopping and ceasing from striving just to be okay, to be with God. And what God really wants to do in our hearts is he wants to bring us to a point of understanding that if we do not take the responsibility to slow down, sometimes God will have to make us to lie down. Let me read a paraphrase of Psalm 23 to you. I love this contemporary paraphrase of this psalm. And as I read it this morning, I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes. And I'm going to ask you to allow the words of this psalm to just sink into your spirit, into your soul this morning. As we prepare ourselves this week to move into a busy holiday season, listen to these words. And as you listen, pay attention to what's happening in your heart, to where your heart coming alive, where God's bringing his spirit alive inside of you by these words. The Lord is my pace setter. I shall not rush. He makes me stop and rest at intervals. He provides me with images of stillness to restore my serenity. He leads me in the way of efficiency to calmness of mind and this guidance is peace. Even though I have a great many things to accomplish this day, I will not fret, for his presence is here. His timeliness, his all-importance 
will keep me in balance. He prepares refreshment and renewal in the midst of my activity, anointing my head with oils of tranquility. My cup of joyous energy overflows. Surely harmony and effectiveness shall be the fruit of my hours. For I shall walk in the pace of my Lord and dwell in his presence forever. You can open your eyes. Where did you find your heart coming alive? Longing for that in your life. When we make the Lord the pace setter of our life, we live with an immeasurable amount of peace, tranquility, joy. It is not just the right way to live. It is the healthy way to live. It is the holy way to live. It is the balanced way to live. It is the most relaxing way to live. When we bring our busy pace to God and we say, God, I don't want to exchange this for your peace, God comes in and he helps us to make whatever adjustments we need to make sure that our pace is creating enough room and carving out enough time for sacred space. So, so here's what I want to ask you to do this morning, following this service. I want to challenge you to go home and I want to challenge you to open up your calendar and ask yourself, where can I unclutter my life just a bit this holiday season? Where can I remove some of the clutter so that I can slow the pace and carve out some sacred space? The power of this has the ability to completely transform who you are. So I've used a formula the last number of years that have really helped me with this. It's a simple formula. Here it is. Change of pace plus change of place equals change of perspective. Change of pace plus change of place equals change of perspective. When I do something both about the pace and the place and create sacred space, all of a sudden my perspective begins to change. Not just about me, but about God and about others. I begin to look at people differently. So in a couple of weeks, I'll be going for a two-day spiritual retreat just to be alone in silence and solitude with God. Why do I do that around the holidays? I do it because for me, I need it. I've got to slow the pace and I've got to create sacred space or else I am not a good pastor. And I am not a good husband. And I'm not a good dad. And I'm not a good grandfather. I've got to find the ways in my life that I keep my soul alive and healthy. And when I do, everything is put in right perspective. So the first practice, slow your pace in order to carve some sacred space. Here's the second practice I would give you to put the holy back in your holidays. Respond to God's invitation to come and rest. Now I know, I know what you're thinking. Holidays and rest? Well, how does that work? 
But I think there's something that God wants us to see, that God wants us to hear. In fact, over the last number of weeks, God has been calling me. God has been moving toward me through three verses of Scripture in Matthew's Gospel. I just cannot shake them from my heart. In fact, this past Monday night, I led those that were here at one prayer in a guided meditation around these three verses. And I want to share it this morning with all of us that are here because I believe it's that profound and that significant, especially if we're going to put the holy back in the holidays. Here it is, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me. Come to me. Hear his invitation this morning. Come to me. All who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Weary. Burdened. Do those words describe you ever? Do they describe you this morning? Do they describe your holidays? Where you feel you move into the holidays and when you come out, you are just exhausted like a runner that's just come out of a marathon looking for something to drink who collapses in utter sheer exhaustion. I want us to hear this morning the invitation that Jesus is giving to us. Come to me and you'll find rest. Now, don't misunderstand what Jesus is saying here. Jesus here is not telling us that we are to forever cease from work and never again work. We're to live in a perpetual state of bodily rest. That's not what Jesus is suggesting. In fact, there is a balance between work and rest, and we need both. God speaks to both. We need a healthy biblical theology of both work and we need a healthy biblical theology of rest. Where is God in that? And what does God want to do for us? Psalm 127 says this. Verse number two. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest to his loved ones. Let me lift out a couple of the phrases here. Useless. Work so hard. Anxiously working. Does that ever describe you? Sure does me. And what the Bible here is not saying is that we are not supposed to work hard. But the Bible does say it is useless to do it from early morning to late at night, overwhelmed with anxiety. You see, I used to believe that what the Bible teaches exclusively is that we are called to rest from our work. And there is truth in that all through Scripture. In fact, the Sabbath is a gift from God to us as human beings 
to give us an opportunity to rest from our work. But that is not the whole theology of the Bible. If you want to round out the theology of the Bible, here's what the Bible teaches. We are not just to rest from our work, we are also to work from our rest. In other words, our work is to come out of a place of being rested in our soul. Our work is to flow not from restlessness, but from restfulness, a perpetual state of finding rest for our soul in God. And that's the invitation that Jesus gives to us. Come to me. I want you to hear those words this morning as an invitation for your heart. As we move into the holidays, come to me and I'll give you rest for your souls. Now, how do we respond to that invitation? There's actually only one appropriate response that we can give, and I'm going to challenge you to make this your response to God this morning. The appropriate response to God's invitation to come and rest is saying to him in return, here am I. Here am I. It's an interesting Hebrew phrase that actually appears in the Old Testament eight different places. It appears of Moses when God appears to him in a burning bush and he says, here am I. That word, that phrase shows up with Abraham when God says to Abraham, go to the mountain which I'll lead you to and sacrifice your son. He says, here am I. It appears for Isaiah when Isaiah hears God call him and say, who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I. And it appears for a young boy by the name of Samuel when he hears God calling his name, thinks it's Eli the priest and goes to him three times and he says, son, the next time you hear God call your name, simply reply by saying, here am I. In the Hebrew, that phrase literally means this, whatever it is you're going to ask, I'm already in agreement. Whatever it is you're going to ask, I'm already in agreement. But here's the really cool part. It's, there's only one time in the scripture that that word, that phrase is used for God. Isaiah chapter 58, then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, here am I. Whatever it is you're going to ask, I am already in agreement. Why? Because you're coming to me. You're finding rest for your soul in me. You're making me the pace setter of your life. And because I am the pace setter, I'm going to respond to you with the words, here am I. I'm going to be present with you in that moment. What a cool thing to think about moving into the holidays. The slowing the pace, carving out some sacred space, and simply responding to God's invitation through Jesus, come to me. And us being able to say, here am I. And hearing him respond, here am I. I'm with you. Do not go into the holidays 
without God's presence with you. Do not go into the holidays without making sure that you are intentionally creating that space where God can speak to your heart and you can respond, here am I. There's one final practice that I think all of us can do to put the holy back in the holidays. And it's appropriate because it leads us into the holiday that we're going to first experience this week. Here it is. Make gratitude your go-to attitude. Make gratitude your go-to attitude. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. No matter what happens, always be thankful. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. A number of years ago, my wife and I were preparing our Thanksgiving dinner, and we were excited because we had made arrangements for my brother and his family to come and join us for Thanksgiving. We were so looking forward to them being with us, and all day we were busy preparing the home and busy getting the table set and busy getting the meal ready for their arrival around 5 o'clock. Well, 5 o'clock went, came and went. 5.30 came and went. We heard nothing from them. Around 6 o'clock, we decided we probably better check in and, uh, and see where they are. And so we tried to reach them, and finally we get a hold of my sister-in-law who says, oh, didn't, did your brother not call you and let you know that we're not coming? Let me just say, I was anything but grateful that Thanksgiving. <laughs> it actually kind of ruined my whole Thanksgiving night, if I'm being really honest. I spent the entire night grumbling, complaining. I wasn't happy about the meal. I wasn't happy about anything that was happening. I actually allowed that experience to rob me of gratitude. And, all, and why did it happen? It happened because everything that I had planned did not go according to plan. Let me make you a promise this holiday. Let me make you a promise. Everything you have planned is not going to go the way you have planned. It's not going to happen. I can promise you that. There are going to be things that are going to be turned upside down. There's going to be chaos at certain points. There's going to be lack of emotional health with family members that get you all charged up and triggered inside. You're going to find yourself reverting back into childhood, beginning to act and think certain ways, certain patterns and scripts and stories with your family of origin that are just going to get you all out of sorts. It's going to happen. It happens to the best of us. What I can tell you is this. According to this scripture, How we respond when things don't go as planned is the difference of being in God's will and out of God's will. It is the difference of us sitting right in the center of God's will and us being on the outside of God's will, not responding the way God desires. I've been guilty of that. And I don't want that to mark this holidays for me. So I want to put the holy back in the holidays by saying, I'm going to make gratitude my go-to attitude even if things don't go as planned. Now, Lord, don't put me to the test on that, right? So 
Hey, reality is it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I think when we come to the end of our lives, I think that what we're going to regret most is not the things we did do. It's actually going to be the things we didn't do. I don't think most of us are going to hit the end of our life and regret what we did do nearly as much of what we could have done, what we could have been, and what we never became. And we've all heard the saying that nobody on their deathbed ever says, I wish I had spent more time at the office, right? Well, a lady by the name of Bronnie Ware, actually an Australian nurse, who spent years of her life in palliative care working and tending to patients who were in their final 12 weeks of life, soothing, caring for, tending to, being with them and present with them. Bronnie Ware collected statements and words and regrets from those patients, and she wrote them in a book entitled The Top Five Regrets of Dying. Let me read these to you. See which one even may resonate with you most as you sit here this morning. I wish I had lived a life true to myself. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Isn't that interesting? I wish I had stayed in touch with my closest friends. And finally, I wish I had let myself be happier. One of the ways that we let ourselves be happier is we let our heart be filled with gratitude. Two weeks ago, our pastoral team sat here, and we were absolutely blown away by the level of love and appreciation that we felt from this congregation. And I just want to say on behalf of our entire pastoral team, I don't, we don't want to let this go by without saying it. We are grateful. We are thankful to serve this church. We're thankful for God who's given us the opportunity to do that. What is it God wants you to be grateful for this holiday season? Where does God want you to express that gratitude to someone? Take time to do that. As you sit here today, as we close, I ask you this question. What is it that you look back on on your holidays and regret today? Well, here's, the, here's the truth. You and I can do nothing about that. So let me slightly change the question. What is it as you look forward to these holidays that you don't want to regret? Live your life. Live your life accordingly. Let's stand together this morning. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. and Take just a moment, and I want you to talk to God and tell God, before I pray a corporate prayer, what is it as you look forward to these holidays that you do not want to regret? You don't want to miss out on?
You don't want to let go by and look back and say, wow, I wish I had done this. I wish I had done that. Where can you unclutter your life in some ways to slow down the pace and to make sacred space, to make room for God this holiday season? Together as the body of Christ here at Grace Crossing Church, I appeal to us that we will put the holy back in the holidays this year. And Father, I ask your blessing upon this church today. I thank you for how you are leading us, for how you are guiding us, and for where, God, you want to move toward us as your children, as your sons and daughters. We don't want to miss out, Lord, on all that you have for us this holiday season. And so we pray that we would be intentional, that we would be persistent about making sure that we are putting the holy back in the holidays this year. I pray that we would meet you and find time, God, to be in your presence and for you to fill our soul, the real us, with more of you. Keep us centered, I pray. Because as we live with you as our pace setter, we recognize that we will live the kind of life that brings honor and glory to you. That we will not miss out on all of the things that you want to do inside of us and in our families and in this church. So help us, God, to be aware and to pay attention to the ways that you are inviting us to come to you and find rest. And bless our homes with your presence this holiday season as we move into this Thanksgiving week. May gratitude not simply be a day that fills one day on our calendar, but may it fill our hearts so that we can live according to your will, filled with gratitude in every situation and and under every circumstance. We need your grace to do that, and we pray that you'll help us. We love you, Lord. We honor you, and we pray your blessing as we go and move into this holiday week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. We'll see you next weekend. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.